It's a pleasure and an honor to have been born and raised in Pleasant Hill. I was born and raised in Pleasant Hill. Uh, my heart and my soul reside in Pleasant Hill. And uh, this is my home, this is home. Those are my ties, my parents. Those are my ties to Pleasant Hill. My parents and my family and my friends. I love Pleasant Hill. I love this community. I really do. And the people who live here now and the people who have lived here. All of them. What we're trying to do is to, is to do what we can for Pleasant Hill so that we can change those things in the city of Macon to make it better. Not just Pleasant Hill. If we make Pleasant Hill better, the city of Macon is better. But we're not stopping at Pleasant Hill. I'm Samantha Max, and you're listening to Building Blocks from Blight, telling the story of Blight in Macon, Georgia, one block at a time. It's a podcast from The Telegraph and Macon.com. Each episode, you'll hear from residents who have watched their neighborhoods disintegrate, deteriorate, and disappear before their eyes. But you'll also hear about what they're doing to renovate and revitalize the communities they call home. Episode 2, Pleasant Hill. Near the western edge of Pleasant Hill, a small black and white road sign marks the entrance to Linwood Cemetery, a 14-acre resting place established in 1894 for Macon's black residents. On the grassy stretch along Walnut Street, several dozen tombstones of different shapes and sizes are planted in the ground. Flower bouquets and American flags line a handful of graves. The rest sit untouched, partially buried by sprouting weeds. Yolanda Lattimore visits the cemetery almost every day. Some days, she gives tours of the historic site where one day she'll be buried. Other days, she sits between her brother's and father's graves, chatting with them and soaking in their presence. Well, I'm supposed to be buried here. And my brother, who was tragically killed um, at the age of 19, in 1999, is buried here. My dad, who lived a long life, who was um, lived to be 81, is buried here. My mother and I are supposed to be buried here, and we have other relatives. Um, like my dad's mother and father and have cousins. Lattimore does her best to keep their little plot clean, but beyond the well-kempt lawn at the Walnut Street entrance, the 125-year-old cemetery has been consumed by overgrowth. Once you venture deeper into the cemetery, it's nearly impossible to maneuver through the maze of untamed trees and vines, let alone visit with a loved one. When Lattimore's little brother died in 1999, she made it her mission to revitalize the cemetery where he was laid to rest. She co-founded the Macon Cemetery Preservation Corporation in 2001, and she spent countless hours cleaning up this forgotten corner of Pleasant Hill in the years since. Lattimore's connection to this historic neighborhood is deep. When her great-grandfather bought his house on Grand Avenue in 1917, he signed the contract with an X since he didn't know how to write his own name. Lattimore feels like it's her obligation to take care of the place that's always felt like a second home. So that's my vested interest is, you know, I want it to be decent and hopefully, um, you know, not disappear before I can be buried here, you know. Um, and it's not just about me, I mean about just everybody because all of this is cemetery. Lattimore lists a few notable Meganites laid to rest in the cemetery. There's Medal of Honor recipient Sergeant Rodney Davis, entrepreneur and founder of the historic Douglas Theater, Charles Douglas, businesswoman and civil rights activist Ruth Hartley Mosley, and the educators, L.H. Williams and Peter G. Appling. 
U.S. Representative Jefferson Long, Georgia's first black congressman, is also buried here. You have people who are like, uh, date back to Buffalo soldiers, um, Spanish-American War soldiers, um, World War I, World War II. Um, you have educators. We have um, all sorts of um, uh, business people who are buried over here, just regular lay folks who were, you know, um, did their part as citizens in the community. It's a lot of prominent people have come from here or lived here or moved here from other places. So Macon has a lot of history to tell and a lot of it, um, Pleasant Hill is kind of like uh, one of the starting points for a lot of black history. Husband and wife Peter Givens and Naomi Johnson were both born and raised in Pleasant Hill, and they remember the days when all their neighbors felt like family, when everyone they passed on the street seemed to know their name. What was it like growing up here? It was great. I, I mean, you know, when, when I was growing up here, it was just, just a childhood. You know, it seemed like everybody knew everyone, and they knew all the kids in the community. So you couldn't go anywhere without uh, being recognized. You, know, you figure you were a couple of blocks from home so you could be mischievous and get away with something and someone would say, why aren't you Raymond's son? Yeah, you're Raymond's son. You're not supposed to be this far from home. So uh, uh, it, was, it was really a great thing because uh, it, it really it was a village raising its kids. You know, we are who we are because of those, of the, people. those people who gave us their shoulders to stand on. Mm -hmm. You know, there were, there were, there were people, you, you, you had to see the real essence of Pleasant Hill. It, it wasn't physical. It was the people that made Pleasant and Hill. You know what? Yeah, it was a it was a feeling. It's like you go up down the street, and you could smell what they were having for dinner. Okay, and that said, love was the same and way. They said, you could baby, feel it coming out of the house. If you're standing there talking to their kids or their grandkids, and and it's in the supper time, baby, come on in here now. Uh, let me call your mom and tell, tell <laughs> ask her if you can stay for, for dinner. Stay for di and it didn't matter that they didn't have enough for you. Everybody else would eat uh, just a little less. Mm -hmm. But this is how you were treated. Antonio Williams loved growing up in Pleasant Hill. He moved away as a young adult, but when it came time to start a family, he couldn't imagine settling anywhere else. When I grew up, uh, I had a sense of pride knowing that I was from a place with such a rich legacy. It added to my self-worth, uh, my feeling about myself, my perception about who I was as an individual because I was connected to such a great place. Williams remembers walking to L.H. Williams Elementary School as a kid and picking up a reward at the corner store nearby when he brought in a good report card. In those days, Williams knew all his neighbors. Mr. Lucius in the brick house used to give his mom a ride when she needed to run errands around town. His friend's grandma lived a few doors down in a house that's since been bulldozed. On a chilly January morning, Williams and his aunt, lifelong resident Amanda White, took a stroll through the neighborhood they both call home. 
Uh, it was truly a, a, an extended family, the entire community. And uh, I can't imagine who I would be had I not grown up in Pleasant Hill. I feel like a part of my identity, uh, part of who I am was, was, was shaped not only by my, my family values and my upbringing, but by my community. It was a family neighborhood. Everybody knew each other and everybody, you know, got along with each other and helped each other out and stuff. You know, if you was a little child in the neighborhood and you did something and your parents found out, then, you know, and they, well, actually the parents didn't even have to find out. The neighbors, you know, had the uh, right to chastise you. You had to, when you walked up the street going to the store, you had to say good morning, good afternoon, and, and you know, stuff to, no. We always respected our elders. You know, that's the way I was raised, you know, to respect your elders. And that's the way Pleasant Hill was back when I was growing up. Something changed in Pleasant Hill when the Georgia Department of Transportation started construction on the I-16, I-75 interchange in the mid-1960s, which cut the historic community in two. It kind of left a bad taste in your mouth, you know, from, from a lot of that stuff because it was basically, uh, uh, hey, there's a bulldozer sitting here. We're going to knock your house down. Here's a few thousand dollars and go. Uh, you you got nothing to say about this, so that's that's what happened. Then I know that because I saw it. This what I'm telling you is not hearsay, okay? As highway lanes replaced homes, Gibbons watched his community slip away before his eyes. Started slowing down, okay? Uh, at uh, at the beginning of of the uh, the construction of I sixteen seventy five, the kids were always leaving here, going other places to pursue their careers, um, but there were enough that that stayed, okay. Uh, but once the I seventy five sixteen was cut through. It, it split Pleasant Hill. Um, it, it also, it, it, you know, it's, it's like somebody reached in and snatched your gut from, from your body. And <clears throat> from that point, things really started going downhill because um, nobody was staying anymore. Uh, people were just, you know, they just wanted to leave. When the homeowners left or passed away, Lattimore says, the neighborhood began to unravel. A lot of the people were homeowners when I was a kid. So you had Miss Ollie, um, I had Louise, uh, Miss Madeline, uh, all these people in the neighborhood who were, uh, you know, either widows or husbands and wives and they owned their houses. So now it's totally different because they've died off and they've turned into rental properties and some people have no idea. They definitely don't have a belonging of the neighborhood or a sense of it and it's just not taken care of. The blight is taken over. Um, a lot of people who don't have vested interests are going to move in and it gives them every reason why because you know um, it's uh it's run down, it's run down, and it's neglected in a lot of places where it didn't used to be. Amanda White says she can hardly recognize the neighborhood where she grew up. 
Houses where families used to live, where she and her friends once played, have been torn down or left to rot. When I look at Pleasant Hill now, it's not the neighborhood that it was when I was growing up because every home, every house in Pleasant Hill had a family in it. They've torn down houses where we used to run and play and stuff, but to me, Pleasant Hill means that with the revitalization and the things that are going on in Pleasant Hill, maybe before I leave here, that I will see the Pleasant Hill that I knew as a child and see the love and the togetherness and the peace and the happiness and all the things that it meant to me when I was raised over here in Pleasant Hill. When GDOT announced in the early 2000s that it would be expanding the I-16, I-75 interchange that cut through the community decades before, Givens and Johnson knew they couldn't watch history repeat itself. They decided to partner with GDOT to ensure the voices of the community would be heard. I, I was very, very particular about how to handle this situation with uh, uh, a different uh, but basically same Georgia Department of Transportation because um, it was necessary for them to, to uh, do something for Pleasant Hill and not, uh, if you're going to take a couple of houses, uh, okay, you're going to take them, but you weren't going to do anything for beautification and different things like that. You, you can't do it that way. And, and when we sat down and said, listen, we want to discuss this. They said, fine, we'll discuss it. And they asked for, for us to write up a mitigation plan, and we did. I, I just couldn't see uh, uh, letting this kind of thing happen again. And, and the people in the community were saying it too. The old folks were saying, don't let them do this again. That's, that's what, what the word was. Don't let them do this again. GDOT agreed to incorporate beautification, community development, and historical preservation into its freeway expansion project. The Department of Transportation conducted oral history interviews, built a park along the edge of the interchange, and saved Little Richard's family home from demolition. The mitigation plan didn't solve all of Pleasant Hill's issues, though. Residents like Antonia Williams know there's a lot of work to be done in Pleasant Hill. But he's not giving up on his community. If you had unlimited resources, what would you do with them to turn around this neighborhood? Oh, <clears throat> I definitely uh, addressed uh, the housing uh, issues uh, <clears throat> because uh, it'll be housing and education to educate the residents because uh, that's the ultimate goal also. Uh, not only to have better living conditions, but to have um, a more productive occupants, meaning let's address needs of the residents. Okay, let's if if we need job training, if we need GED, we need to bring the neighborhood up, and we need to create a better adult for the kids that we are so concerned about. We need to we need to try to produced them a better parent you know if if if, if that makes sense uh, given what we given what they need if it's uh whatever kind of counseling job training uh um just education you know because uh 
I think that go hand in hand with uh, better living structures, you know, to have better occupants, you know, people that are gonna, you know, um, take pride, you know, in uh, decent living quarters, uh, improve their uh, their household income, you know, uh, just to do that, and, and, and I mean, that'll be my starting point, and I feel like everything else will snowball, you know, from that, you know what I'm saying, uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, just get Pleasant Hill back thriving, you know, uh, have it to where, uh, it's some more, it's black-owned businesses, you know, again, you know, where the neighborhood is, is self-sustaining, you know, uh, because, uh, it's a definite, uh, economic gap, uh, definitely some uh, uh, business opportunities over here that uh, are, are needed, not necessarily from a <clears throat> financial gain standpoint, but it's a, it, it'll address some needs, you know, of the community, you know. And, uh, yeah, unlimited resources, I'll go to the house, we'll get the training, we'll have a book of tea back up, running. Uh, we'll, yeah, if I had unlimited resources. These roads are getting paved. Uh, yeah. We have to sit down and be visionaries. And we have to plan. That's Peter Givens. We have to plan. We have to get our heads together and figure out a plan. And once we have a plan, we put it on paper, we let everybody look at it, and we agree on it. Then we execute and we take it step by step. You don't skip a rung on a ladder. You take every step because it's the same way that you build. Gibbons can't help but smile as he drives around the park he helped to build on the edge of the interstate. It took 14 years to get to this point, he says, and there's still more to be done, but he can see his community starting to shift. These houses have to be worked on, but that's the next phase. That's the next thing that uh, we're going to uh, pick up on uh, and uh, some of, of, uh, of that phasing has already started. Some people uh, are just um, doing work on, on their houses and, and because they know that um, Pleasant Hill is changing. Uh, these uh, as you can see, these houses are being worked on here. Uh, and that one, I know that it's an artist couple that owns both those houses now, and they're working on those houses. Um, people are painting their houses and, and uh, uh, trying to do what they can do to try to, you know, bring them back up to uh, back up to snow. Uh, so. Uh, you get the sense that, that, that people are, are getting a different feel, you know, about the community. Naomi Johnson is determined to see their mission through. The community elders who raised her sacrificed too much to let the essence of Pleasant Hill fade away. She and her husband feel an obligation to do their part. I'll fight about our people. I will, I go fistica before I fall, you know. I have my roly-poly on my wheelchair. But I'll fight you about my people. My people in Pleasant Hill, I will. 
Building Blocks from Blight is a production of The Telegraph and Macon.com with support from Report for America and the News Collab at Arizona State University. This episode was written and produced by me, Samantha Max. Our music is by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. Find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And check out the written series that accompanies this podcast on Macon.com.